Sorry for the late start. Recording in progress. So the, the topic for this week is the presence of presence from the woman in the Mishkan. There, the way to start, I think, is to go back to the Egel. When we look at the the uh, the story of the golden calf, when we look at the story of the Egel Azov, the Pasuk tells us, Vayyemer Aleim Aaron, Aaron said to the Jewish people, Take off the earrings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring those earrings to me. The Pasuk then continues and says, And what actually happened was that they, the, the people, the nation, took off their earrings, that were in their ears, and they brought it to Aaron. There's a famous Tanchuma over here. The Medrash Tanchuma says that Aaron says to the to the people, "Take off the the earrings from your wives." Aaron Aaron said to them something that was quite difficult, something that would be difficult to be able to realize. by the woman would refuse. To give away their earrings. They saw all the great, incredible miracles that Hakadosh Baruch Hu had done for the Jewish people at Har Sinai, at Kriyas Yamsuf, in Mitzrayim, etc. So therefore, he thought that they would be unwilling to give their jewelry. In other words, they were not just going to be unwilling to give their jewelry because it was their jewelry. They were unwilling to give their jewelry because it was for a cause that would not be considered noble by them. So, they went to their wives, they followed Aaron's diktat dutifully, and they went to the wives and went to go ask for their earrings in order to be able to make the ego. So, Woman said to the men, "Are you crazy? We're going to go now and go against the Kaddish Baruch Hu and 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 go make uh, whatever sort of idol you're planning to do, whatever the idol was intended to be." The women are like, "No way! This is not going to happen. Not on our watch. We're not giving you our earrings." Once they did not listen to them, Maksiv Shem. What does it say? They spoke of Kolamis as may as of Asher Bozen Hashem Lo Namar Ella Asher Beoznehem. Says the Tanhuma, the men gave their own earrings that they had. Look at the pasuk carefully. Again, Vayemar Aleim Aaron Parakun as may as of Asher Beoznehem Shechem Benechem Venaisechem. Aaron says very clearly. Go take off the earrings from your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring those earrings to me. And the people, the nation, they took off their earrings that were in their ears. Who is the there? Says the Tanhuma, the there is the men, the men who had approached Aaron, who said to them, Hey, we don't know what happened to this man Moses, he's not here. We don't understand. They don't understand what happened to him, whether or not they had a reason to think that he'd be back in 40 days is beside the point. For right now, they thought he was delayed. And Aaron is not thrilled with the situation. Again, without having to input here that Hur was killed or anything like that, just Aaron is not happy with this situation. He sees that the people are not mollified. So according to the Tanchuma, he attempts to delay them. And he delays them by having them go to ask their wives for their earrings, which the wives would not give, not because they were so um, taken by their jewelry, but because the cause was nefarious. The cause was not something that they would support. And so the there, by their earrings is referring to the um's earrings, which is referring to the men's earrings. Like it's the same um that we start out the story with. We're talking about the men. That's the um that we're referring to. The Ibn Ezra disagrees. The Ibn Ezra doesn't accept this medrash and has a very different opinion about what happened. Says the Ibn Ezra. What does it mean? 
that they removed the earrings asher beoznehem beoznehabonim vehabonis vehanoshim haniskarim lomayla. You want to know who took off the earrings and gave it to Ta'ara, and it wasn't the men who took off their own earrings, it was the women who took off their own earrings. Says the Ibn Ezra, when we reading the Pasuk, when, they, when we say that they took off their earrings, the their is not going on the men, it's going on the Pasuk before. The Pasuk before said that Aaron said to the men, Take the earrings from your wives, your sons, and your daughters. And the next passage says that they took, the nation took the earrings from their ears. Who's the there? Not the there of the men, the there of the passage before, which is the woman, the sons, and the daughters. So according to the Ibn Ezra, the women were part and parcel of giving of their jewelry in order to make the ego. In fact, the men were not. The men did not give their jewelry to make the ego. Now you might say, well, doesn't that mean that the men were really great? No, it doesn't mean that. The men were the ones who wanted to make it. They're the ones who went to the woman and had them do it. So then why didn't the men give their jewelry? Well, perhaps according to the Ibn Ezra, the men didn't wear jewelry. There's no indication from the Ibn Ezra that the men wore jewelry and were, you know, sort of holding it back. Perhaps the Ibn Ezra felt that the men did not wear jewelry. Obviously, according to the Meshach and Chumah, the men did wear jewelry. And that's why they took it from their own ears. But according to the Ibn Ezra, the woman gave their jewelry to make the Egel. It's a very, very different approach than the one we see in the Meshach and Chumah. Continues on the Ibn Ezra, and he says like this, that the earrings that the woman had, where did they get them? Remember, this was a people that had just been recently released from captivity, from bondage in Egypt. They had been spending some decent amount of time in a desert. Where would they come upon earrings? Where would they have golden earrings? And a sufficient enough quantity to be able to make the golden cap? Says the Ebenezer like this, Egyptian women, they wore earrings. Well, what does it have to do with anything? What does the custom of Egypt and wearing earrings have to do with the woman of the desert? The answer must be that the Ibn Ezra, without explicitly saying it, is telling you that since the custom was of Egyptian women to wear earrings, then it must be that the Jews received, the Jewish women received the earrings from the Egyptian woman. Remember the Pasuk says to us, They will go and ask the Egyptian woman for her silver and gold and various orders of clothing. Says the Ibn Ezra, without saying it so explicitly, The minig of Egypt was to wear earrings. And you're supposed to then realize that what he's actually trying to tell you is that because we know that one of the commandments before they left Egypt was that the woman, the Jewish woman, had to ask the Egyptian woman for their stuff, right? As it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had promised this to Abraham, he was kaim on that. He was mekuyim a hundred percent. He got in all the big inoy, all the big shibud. But when the pasuk tells us that he wasn't mekayim, God wanted to make sure that that Avram Avinu would not have any tightness on him. So he ensures that everyone is going to come out with a lot of stuff. And so we have an answer now to understand how the Jewish woman had golden earrings. They had them because they had asked for them when they left Egypt. Should point out, the Ibn Ezra points out interestingly in our Parsha here this week, says the Ibn Ezra that the Patsik tells us about the, the Nesim, they gave us the Avnei HaShoyam. Right? Says the Ibn Ezra, these are really fancy stones. What does it mean the Nesim gave these stones? Why the Nesim? 
Why not other people? Why is it specifically the Nassim that are giving these really incredible uh, stones that are going to go on the Chayshin? Why is it coming from the Nassim? Says the Ibn Ezra. He adds a very interesting point. He says, Ki mitzrayim kolish The Ibn Ezra puts in a, a nuance that we never thought about. Yes, every Jew went to Egypt and the Egyptian men and women and asked them for stuff. Sure. But if you were a more um, important person, you asked a more important Egyptian. It was hierarchical. It wasn't simply that the most base person of the Jewish people could go ask the most elite and sophisticated and refined Egyptian for their stuff. It was done in a sort of hierarchical manner where the more elite parts of the Jewish people went to the more elite and the wealthiest of the Egyptians to ask them for their stuff. That's why That's why the Nesim are the ones who are giving these really fancy stones because they were the ones who had them. The regular Jew who was not a Nazi didn't have such stones because he, when he was going to ask, or she, when she was going to ask for the stuff from the Egyptians, were asking of people equivalent to their social stature, equivalent to their place in this sort of hierarchy. Therefore, we now understand, if we connect all these Ibn Ezra together, we now understand what the Ibn Ezra says better. When it says, Minig Mitzrayim Hayolasim Nizam name, this was the meaning of Egypt to be putting earrings in their ears, it makes now much more sense. Because what we're saying is the donations for the eagle came from all types of women. All the women gave their donations for the earrings. They all had ear golden earrings because that's what Egyptian women wore. That's the minig of Mitzrayim, not the minig of the elite. It's the minig of Egypt. This is the first part of the Ibn Ezra that I want to focus on. There is another line in the Ibn Ezra that I think is a bit troubling and one worthwhile to note. It says the Ibn Ezra, the kocha. And similarly, Kosov b'Midyanim. Similarly, it's written by the Midianites, Ki Yishmaelim Hain, because they are Ishmaelites. What is the Ibn Ezra? The classic style of the Ibn Ezra: terse, courts. He does not go on and on for pages. So when he does, leave his laconic nature. We one has to go and read it carefully. But typical Ibn Ezra here, very laconic. Similarly. Similar to what? Similar to the Egyptians who wore earrings, which we've just now explained. That meant not just the elite, but even the, the lower classes. Everybody wore golden earrings. Similar, says the Ibn Ezra, to this. To this what? To this, the Egyptians wearing earrings at all strata of society. Kosov b'Midjanim. This is also true by the Midianites. By the Midianites, we also find that they wear earrings. Because they are Ishmaelites. So let's unpack two things over here. What does it mean? The Midianites also wear golden earrings. That's what it sounds like, number one. And number two, the second part is the Midianites are wearing golden earrings because they are Ishmaelites. Meaning, the Ishmaelites also wear golden earrings. So what's the connection? Why is the Ibn Ezra telling me about the Midianites that they wear golden earrings like the Egyptians? Because they're Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites wear golden earrings. Yashar Kayach. What does it have to do with anything? What additional piece of information is the Ibn Ezra here alluding to? So the first thing is to go to the Pasuk in Shaftim that the, that the Ibn Ezra is referring to. The Pasuk in Shaftim is discussing Gidon. Gidon, one of the great judges of the Jewish people. One of the Shaftim who was offered as a result of his tremendous victories to become the... Uh, perpetual ruler, a, a ruler whose sons and his grandsons would rule for posterity over the Jewish people. And Gideon refused. He said, absolutely not. Hashem will rule over you. I'm just a judge. The way the Shaftim worked is their authority only lasted during their tenure. Their authority, their tenure, it only lasted while they were alive. And after that, it ceased. It subsided. So Gideon says, no, 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 no. My sons, my children, they're not ruling after me. Just me. So, in the story there, Gideon goes to battle against Midian. The Pasuk tells us that 
he won. He vanquished Midian. And the Jewish people are so overwhelmed with the victory that they say to Gideon, hey, listen. Gideon, Mishol Bonu, Gam Ator, Gam Bincha, Gam Ben Bincha, Kiesha, Tonu Miyad Midian. They say to him, be a Moshe, not just be a Melech. Be a Moshe, right? A Moshe is, is a more difficult, the more um, dictatorial type of a king. They say to Gideon, you be our Moshe. You, your sons, and your grandsons. Why? Kiesha, Tonu Miyad Midian. Because you beat, you beat the Midianites. And Gideon says, no, Loyem Sholani Bochem. I'm not going to rule over you. And my sons are not going to rule over you. God is your only ruler. But I ask you a favor. Please give me your earrings. Why is that? Give me the earrings from the booty. Because they had received earrings in the booty because they were Ishmaelites. Who was Ishmaelites? Who did they get and just fight against? He fought against the Midianites, not against the Ishmaelites. The Pasuk is making clear what the Ebenezer points out, that the Midianites wore earrings because they were like Ishmaelites. And means what? That the Ishmaelites wore earrings. So both the Midianites and the Ishmaelites wore earrings, and the Jewish people, when they vanquished, the Midianites, they had earrings. Gideon wanted those earrings. It turns out to be a terrible story. It's bad. And Gideon makes a whole eighth fight. He makes a whole, a whole thing with this to serve God, but it ends up not being that way. But the point for what I want right now is just to know that Gideon fought in a war against the Midianites. He gets a victory. He asks for a favor to get the earrings the people had received in the booty. Why do they have booty? including earrings, because the Midianites wore earrings. Why? Because they were Ishmaelites. Because Ishmaelites wore earrings. What's the connection of the Ishmaelites to earrings, to Egypt? Anyone? Can you remember what it says to us back, way back, in Parshas Lech Lecha? The puzzle tells us that Avram married as Hagar HaMitzris. Right? Avram Avinu married Hagar. She was an Egyptian. She was the mother of Yishmael. This is perhaps the connection. The Mitzrim, they wore earrings. The women wore earrings. We don't know about the men. But the women wore earrings, certainly. And that's why when the Jewish people, that included earrings. That's why there were earrings available by these servants, by these former slaves, to be able to give it for the ego. The Ishmaelites wear golden earrings. The Midianites, who we find wear golden earrings, are wearing them because they're Ishmaelites. Well, what's the Ishmaelites have got to do with the golden earrings? Well, because they're actually descended from the Egyptians. You see, Hagar is an Egyptian. Forget Chazal. Forget Chazal telling us that Hagar is actually an Egyptian princess. Just simply, she was an Egyptian. She wore earrings, presumably, like the custom was in Egypt. And so does her son. Her son continues that custom going. So now you understand why the Ishmaelites are also considered to be something close to wearing golden earrings. Now, take that a step further. After all, who's the father? Who's the father of Midian? We know. Look at the end of Parshish Chayasar. The Torah tells us. Avram had very many sons. Not just Yishmael and Yitzchak. He had other sons. He had Midian, Midan, Yishbok, Shuach. He had a whole bunch of other sons. One of them was Midian. Midian was the son of Avram Avinu. And he ends up living to the east of the Yardin and is a thorn in the side of the Jewish people. Midian is Yishmael. Midian wears golden earrings because they're Yishmaelim. The Pasuk is telling us that they're like the Yishmaelim. The Pasuk is telling us that the Midianites are like the Ishmaelites. They both wear golden earrings. And the Ishmaelites, we say, are descended from the Egyptians. The Egyptians wore golden earrings. Now that alone might be only a part of the story. You see, you can actually take it further. Who are the Pilakshim? Rashi says the Torah was Chaser. That the when it says pilakshim, it doesn't mean pilakshim with a 
a yud of plural, but pilag sham. It's written chaser because really there was only one pilagesh. He hagar he ketura. So if that's true, that hagar is really ketura, then that means that Midian doesn't only share the same father with Yishmael, right? In terms of Avram, but they also share the same mother. That mother being Hagar, who is Keturah. If that be the case, then you can understand that the minig of wearing golden earrings in Egypt for Egyptian woman was passed on to Yishmael, was passed on to Midian. The only wrinkle in that, and that would make unbelievably perfect sense why the Ibanez is bringing up in the context of explaining to us the Egel, that the golden earrings came from the woman, it would make perfect sense to us as to why he would then bring in the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. What's the connection? Now we see a, a very fantastic connection all the way through. The only problem, the only problem is that if you look in Parshat Chayesara, you see that the Ibn Ezra doesn't hold that Hagar and Keturah were the same person. He holds that Hagar and Keturah are different people. He says, means literally, Pilakshim, not Pilakshim, like Rashi says that it's written in Chasar. Pilakshim is plural. It means many Pilakshim. He had one Hagar, he had one Keturah. Two different ones. So if he had two different ones, then they only share the same father, not the same mother. So then it would be more interesting to see a connection between the Yishmoelites and the Minyanites. Why are the Minyanites any more Ishmoelites than Yishbak or Shuach or any of the other kids that Avram had with Keturah? This would be the question that we would have on the Ibn Ezra. We should point out that if we look by the sale of Yosef, over there, the Torah talks about what seems to be three different people involved in the sale of Yosef. Aside, aside from the brothers. Right? One is the Ishmaelim. The Pasuk tells us, And they were going down to Egypt to sell their wares. And Yehuda says, right, Let's sell them to these Ishmaelim. And then the Pasuk tells us, that it seems that in the interim, other merchants coming along, and these are called Midyanim. And then they take Yosef out of the bar and they sell him. They sell him to the Ishmaelim. So if you take the approach of the Rashbam, who says that the brothers never sold Yosef, this was the Egyptian, the, the Ishmaelites were coming. And before they got there, these Midianites came along. They pulled Yosef out of the bar. They're the ones who sold him directly to the Egyptians. But the, the brothers never sold him. Fine. That's, that's a nice reading of it. But according to the simple reading of it, that's not the approach. The approach is, when it says Midianites, and it says Yishmaelites, they're one and the same. Like we just saw in Shaftim. That the Midianites had golden earrings. Why? Because they were Yishmaelites. They're the same. So the Torah uses the terms about them interchangeably. What do you mean they're the same? They're the same because they, have, they shared not only the same father, they also share the same mother. So they weren't totally unrelated nations. They were very, very related. And sometimes it can be seen interchangeably. Continues on the Pasuk over there. And the Pasuk ends off telling us, The Medonim. Who is the Medonim? Some understand is the is is Midian, just called Midan. Why is it called Midan, not Midian? And wasn't it Yishmaelim? Or maybe it's Midan, sort of as Midian. One of the names of the of the sons is is Midan also. So maybe that's a reference to them. It's not clear. But what is clear is that the pasuk seems to be using interchangeably Yishmaelim. Midyanim, Midanim. And if it's true that Pilag Shim is like Rashi, it's Pilag Shim, not Pilag Shim, plural, then you can understand what the connection would be between the Egyptians, the Midianites, and the Ishmaelites, especially as it relates to wearing golden earrings in the ears of women. It's not true, though, for 
the Ibn Ezra, because the Ibn Ezra says Bilakshim is plural. So what does the Ibn Ezra say over here? The Ibn Ezra over here in, in Paris Vayeshev says that when the the Yishmaelite Tzorchim passed by and then says that the Midyanim, the ones who picked him up out of the bar, this is one and the same. They're called the same thing. They're also Yishmaelim. And we see it over here in Shaftim in relation to the by the case of the earrings, where the Gideon is asking for the earrings of the of the of the booty, and he says because the um, the the Jewish people are having the booty of these golden earrings from the Midianites, who they just beat, because they're Ishmaelites, because the Midianites are Ishmaelites. So it sounds like for the Ibn Ezra, the connection between the Midianites and the Ishmaelites is not necessarily on both sides of Avram and Hagar, it's just on one side of Avram, but they nevertheless were clearly close enough as, as, as nations in order to be able to have the same customs, and they both had the earrings. But if we take it a step further and put in Rashi here instead, and want to bring in the Pilag Shum and say, he Hagar, he Ketur, it's the same thing, my son, no, Ketaris, and all of that, so then we end up with a situation where Hagar and Ketur are the same, Midian and Yishmael are brothers on both sides, both father and mother, and it ends up then that the custom of having the golden earrings in the ears of the woman in Egypt was sent along to the Ishmaelites, was sent along to the Midianites, and that explains the story of how they had the, the golden earrings, the booty, in, in the war that the Gideon had, and then also explains to us the connection of how the Jewish women were able to give the earrings to make the Egel. Because they had already supply, given that that was the kim So that is sort of part one, is to understand that according to the Ibn Ezra, unlike the Tanhuma, the Ibn Ezra feels strongly that the woman played an important role in making the eagle, they gave their earrings. Unlike the Tanchum who said they did not, who said that the woman said that you 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 people are totally wrong, right? You're going against Akarish Borhu. You're going against all the miracles. And they refuse to give the earrings and that's what it means Bi'oz Nehem. But the Ibn Ezra Bi'oz Nehem is referring to the Pasik before which talked about Ozne Nishekham Nechem Nesechem. That is Part number one. According to the Ibn Ezra, according to Rashi, maybe not the Ramban, which is a topic we discussed some years ago, the Mishkan was commanded as a result of the the ego, right? The ego is what happened first, even though the Torah is written out of order, a muktam from the Ramban, again, not necessarily the same um he holds that, right, Hashem gave the command, it wasn't revealed until later, but again, not for right now. But for the Ibn Ezra, the ego happened first. The Medrash tells us the following. So again, a Tanchuma, the Tanchuma back in Pashas Truma, tells us like this. It says the Tanchuma, You know why I'm making you do a Mishkan? The gold that came Along for the Egel should now come and be mechaber in the Mishkan. That is, you use the gold inappropriately, you use the jewelry inappropriately, and make the Egel Azov. Now we're going to come and make a kapara. The kapara is going to be by using the gold appropriately. This is the understanding of what the kapara is based on. The kapara is based upon utilizing the same kind of an implement to now be done for the right purposes. So we come to the Mishkan, and here, in the building of the Mishkan, the Ibn Ezra goes out of his way to impart to the woman a role in building out the Mishkan. That is, it's already clear in the Pesukim that the woman had a role in building for the Mishkan. That's not the Ibn Ezra. That's Pashup Shat and reading Pesukim. But the Ibn Ezra goes further and imputes and inputs the woman in a way that would not necessarily be so obvious from the Pesukim. So I'd like to explain what I mean. 
Pasuk tells us in, in our parsha this week, that the men came on the woman. What does it mean? So, in Parshas Kisisa, when Aaron says, So they did that, right? Pasuk tells us that by Sporku Kolomas is Meazava Shabbos name. That's a that's a reference according to the Ibn Ezra to the woman and to their children. Well, what about here in our parsha by Avoyoho Anoshim Alanoshim? The men came by the woman. And it says the Ibn Ezra, by Avoyoho Anoshim Al Hanoshim means that they came with. By Avoyoho Anoshim Al Hanoshim, the men came on the woman, says the Ibn Ezra. Kimoyim Hanoshim. The men came with the woman. And he says, we have many, many times like this. In grammar, we have many, many times something similar to this. Like, for example, we say that you're not doing it on the Lechem HaBikurim, you're bringing it with the Lechem HaBikurim. Sometimes Al means Im. So, means that the men came with the woman in order to be able to give donations to the Mishkan. What is that telling you? When you read it initially without the Ibn Ezra, you say, okay, the men came on the woman, meaning they came to the woman and said, listen, we have to donate to the Mishkan. And as it were, they forced them, they pushed them to donate. No. Not for the Ibn Ezra. Says the Ibn Ezra, they came with the woman to donate. Meaning that both came. They both wanted to donate. This was an action that was just as inspired for men as it was for women as well. Continues on the Ibn Ezra. The Pasuk, if you look at the Pasuk, the next words, right? Anybody who was a Nadiv, anybody whose heart was moved to be able to donate to the Mishkan, they brought various stuff. They brought all these different kinds of golden uh, jewelry. Right? It says the Ibn Ezra. There's different, uh, different, um, different types of uh, um, uh, the jewelry, di- different parts of the body. Right? There's the nose ring, and there's the earring, and there's the, the ring on the finger, and there's uh, armbands, all different types of uh, jewelry here that we're talking about in the Psukim. Fine. But on the words, which means anybody whose heart was moved, says the Ibn Ezra, it doesn't just mean that the men were nadiv, the women were also nadiv. The Ibn Ezra again is insisting that we see that the women were also eager donators to the Mishkan, the same way the men were donating, so too were the women. Seems to me that neither of these readings was necessary. Neither of these readings was necessary to push in, the, to force in the woman. He could have said, the men came to the woman and said to them to donate. And then it talks about the men who were moved, donated all these various things. The Ibn Ezra doesn't do that. Now you could say, the reason he's not doing that is because he sees these jewelry as being women's jewelry. So, if it's woman's jewelry, then the woman had to be the ones to, to give it. Okay, that's a possibility. But I prefer to think that this goes back in part to this notion that the women were a part of the ego. They weren't like the Medrash Tanchuma wants to suggest, against giving any jewelry for the ego. No, they were participants in the sense that they gave their earrings, they gave their jewelry in order to make the ego, and as such, they need to be part of the solution. Says the Ibn Ezra. He doesn't merely say that they were taken from their jewelry in order for to build the Mishkan. No. They willingly came along to donate. They came with the men to donate. Anybody who had their heart moved to donate, donated. Whether it was a man or a woman. The Ibn Ezra is taking down, he's watering down the men going to the woman and asking them for things. In part, I think because he wants to show the woman's rehabilitation from giving their jewelry for the wrong cause in relation to the Egel Azov. So now they're giving it willingly for the right cause 
for the Mishkan. Continues the Ibn Ezra. Or maybe before we do that, just a note. If we look at the Psukim that do highlight the role that the woman played in the giving of the of the donations for the Mishkan, and this could have, I accept, could also be potentially the reason why the Ibn Ezra decides to read those Psukim that we just mentioned in the way that he does. Because at the end of the day, it is clear that the woman played a role in working the various different tapestries, etc., that one needed for the Mishkan. The Pasuk tells us, Any woman who is wise, who knows the art of the weaving and the sewing and all of that, so she did it. And then they brought in all the various different curtains, etc., that they had to, to weave. And any woman who's again whose heart was moved but who was wise, she would also be able to weave all the various, you know, the, the goat hair. And then it tells us what the Nasim brought, etc. And the Pasuk then concludes and says, Kol ish isha. Any man or woman, Asher Nodav Libam that the heart moved them. So now here we have an explicit Pasuk. Talking about the men or the women whose heart moved them. In other words, what we saw before, Kerl Nadiv Lev, for the Ibn Ezra, and that includes women also, but there wasn't explicit. Here we have an explicit passage that says, Kol Ish Isha Shenodav Libam Aisam, any man or a woman whose heart moved them, Lahavi Lachola who came to bring for any of the work, Asher Tziva Hashem Lasis Bian Mesha, that Hashem command to be done by Mesha. Have you been Israel and Hashem? They would bring their stuff to Hashem. So it seems to me that the Ibn Ezra either was deciding to reinterpret these psukim of Kol Nadiv Anashim Al Anashim in order in order to sort of fit with these other psukim that highlight the role of the woman that they played, or it's in part because of the fact that he also against the Medrash had highlighted the role of women in making the ego. Even though for the Ibn Ezra, to be clear, the ego was not an Avodah Zohar whatsoever. For the Ibn Ezra, only a small minority of Jewish people actually went astray and viewed the ego as an, an idol. And those are the ones who said, It was not a general consensus, not in the least. But as we know, people are responsible we are one fraternal body, we are one nation, and we are responsible for the mistakes of others. We're responsible for not protesting, responsible for not stopping, responsible for not attempting to ameliorate whatever those actions were. So for the Ibn Ezra, there is a, obviously a, a, a guilt, but the guilt is, in terms of the actual sins, was limited, and that's why only 3,000, or only like 3,000 people passed away. Only like 3,000 people were killed. So the guilt that the woman had is not guilt of idolatry. But it was nevertheless not the most appropriate thing to have done. It was nevertheless gave sukkar, gave ability for those that were going astray to be able to now go astray. So there is what to rehabilitate. There is what to have a kapar for. And so therefore, I think he's going out of his way to point out the great role that the woman played in helping to build the Mishkan, even though, and not in every Pasuk does he have to stick it in, but he nevertheless does. And to me, I noticed this because the super commentary, uh, by the way, I should point out that the, that the, um, the, there's another Pasuk where the Ibn Ezra does this also. I forgot to mention before. That there is another Pasuk. The Pasuk tells us, Any man who had with him any of these kinds of materials, um, he would bring it. Says the Ibn Ezra, So three times at least, the Ibn Ezra goes out of his way to bring in women and tell you, that even though the Pasuk there is just referring to a man, no, no, it's also a woman. Why is he doing that? seems to me that he's doing this, again, for the reasons that I mentioned before, and not because of the fact that it's just, we see it elsewhere, the woman donated, so therefore he feels the need to put it in, in every place. 
Why? So Torah is saying a woman donated in a certain place, not saying by every donation. Why do you have to put them into every place? No, he's putting them into every place because again, they had a role in the issue of the ego, and so therefore they also have a role to play in the rehabilitation in the kapar after. And if you look at the super commentary of the Aviezer, he doesn't agree with what I said. And therefore he says that what does it mean call Nadiv Lave? Why is the Pasik talking and, and Ibn Ezra saying, oh, it means even the Diva slave? The Khal-ish means even Isha, says the says the Aviyaz. If our Pasik is Karanosha, the reason we're talking about the men is Kihema Ikar. The men are the most important. And any present the woman gave were you know, going to be called presents from the men. Anything that a woman does would be for her husband. He doesn't say, but he could have said, well, any of these uh, objects that were owned by the woman were really owned by the men. Again, I'm without necessarily having a fundamental proof, it seems to me, uh, because the Ibn Ezra went out of his way to go against the Medrash and bring in the woman as being part of the sin of the ego by giving their jewelry. He's going out of his way to make sure the women are included in the kapara of building the Mishkan. Now one final point where it talks about the contribution of the woman. And that is, of course, the making of the kiar. The kiar, the basin, the wash basin, the Torah tells us a one-liner, here it's not talking about the gold so or the silver. So very possibly they didn't get this from, from the Egyptian. Maybe they just had it. They made the the wash basin out of the this uh, um, you know the the the, the copper. With the mirrors that they were that they were outside the iron light. I don't know what means. And the commentaries don't really know what it means. So let's just run through quickly what they talk about and what the Ibn Ezra here highlights about the role of women. Says Onkelos. Va'avad yas Well, maybe we'll start with Rashi first, because uh, the Onkelos very much relates to the Ibn Ezra. So says Rashi, you want to know what these Maris Hatseva'is are? What are these mirrors? The woman gave the, the mirrors that they used in Egypt, says, the, says Rashi. They, they had mirrors with them when they would dress up. They would use these mirrors. And they didn't prevent them from giving these gifts when they came to the Mishkan. But Moshe didn't want them. Moshe didn't want them because they were used for activity that may not seem the most seemly. What does it mean? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, No, 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 you misunderstand. I'm like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, take in these mirrors. These are the most beloved of all of the gifts of the Mishkan. This is the ones that I want the most. This refers to the Tzvah Yisrael. It's referring to the multitudes of the Jewish people that were born in Egypt because of the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of these women. When the men were getting beaten and working very difficult, uh, very difficult labor outside, and they had no interest in perpetuating a family of They would go and they would um, beautify themselves and flirt with the men in an attempt to be able to perpetuate the Jewish people. So says the says Rashi, this this mirrors, Hashem is saying to Meshur, Ben, you take these mirrors because this is the most valuable of all the donations that I've received. Benasa kir mehem, and make the kir out of this. Shehulasum shalom, Ben Ishla Ishta, we know in Parshas Nasa, this is what is used, the water from the kir, in order to bring back peace between a man and a wife. 
from a situation of a Saita. And says Rashi, these are Maris Mamish. These are really, really mirrors. And that's what they use to make this uh, Kir. That is Rashi. What does the Ibn what does Uncle say? Uncle says, They made the Kir and the Chayshas. From the mirrors of women, the Asoyan Litzala that came to Davin, Bisra Mishkan Zimna. They came to Davin by the Mishkan. That is what Uncle says. Says the Ibn Ezra. What does it mean? Every woman, when she gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and tries to beautify herself with using her mirror so she should look nice. Or they use glass or they use nechoshes, whatever it is. Right? To affix uh, their shaitos that they used to, right? The proto shaitos that they used to have on their heads. This is, we learn about this already in Sefer Yeshaya, and Jewish women are no different than Ishmaelite women, even to this very day. Alright, he says, There were Jewish women amongst the Jewish people who really worshipped God. And they left, going after the mundane and inane and material things and comforts and desires of this world. And they gave their mirrors up as a present. They no longer needed it. They no longer woke up in the morning and looked into the mirror and tried to beautify themselves. They no longer had any interest in making themselves beautiful. They came every day to the doors of the mitzvahs to hear the words of the Torah. To That's what it means when it says they gathered around, around the oil mayor. Kihoyo Rambach, there were many, many such women. Torah doesn't tell us how the size of the kir was. Like it mentions other things that in terms of their sizes. Whatever the amount of mirrors were that were brought, that was the size of what the kir would ultimately be. Says the Ibn Ezra, very similar to the Unkelos, right? But Unkelos just says that the mirrors were from the woman who davened. doesn't explain. The Ibn Ezra is telling you what they did. These were women who went against the regnant culture of Jewish women then, till today, which is to make sure they look very beautiful. They had no longer any need for that. They wanted to focus on their learning and on their davening. And so therefore they went to the Ahmad every day to learn. And the mirrors are no longer necessary. And so therefore... They gave them. They gave them in. And so Moshe Rabbeinu was taking in the mirror not as a reflection of standing up the Jewish people in Egypt during the most dire of circumstances. No. Moshe Rabbeinu was taking in their donation as an appreciation of their incredible dedication of these women to be close to God. Now whether or not Ibn Ezra is ultimately correct that this is an ideal for a Jewish woman, we know... uh, we know the Mishnah in Saita tells us that there are four people that are are destroying the world. One of them was an Isha Prusha. The Ibn Ezra is obviously not bothered by that or by the fact that and as a normative matter, the Torah doesn't seem to ascribe to that, right? Right to Isha, Bekav, Vitiflis, Yosem, Matisha, Kabayim, Apricius. In any event, without getting into all those details, what seems clear is that the Ibn Ezra was of the opinion that these women are to be lauded for their willingness to self-sacrifice, to not be engaged in the Havli Oilam and to instead be following the Divri Torah and the Mitzvahs and Davening, and no longer needed the Maris Atzoyves Lysiapais. So therefore, they donated them, and the Mishkan is taking and accepting this donation as a way of acknowledging the dedication, the zeal of these women to to God. Just to point out, in the time that we have left, the Ramban here points out a very uh, interesting point. He says, I don't understand. One of the donations that the women were giving to the Mishkan, we learned before, was the Chumaz. The Chumaz, if you look at the Gemara in Shabbos, tells us that the Chumaz is um, 
I think it's called a chastity belt. A chastity belt. The chastity belt uh, was a way of protecting the the innocence of 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 the woman. At least that's. I'm not sure how often it was used in in in, uh, in the old days, but that may be what a chumas is. If that is true, that that is what a chumas is, then says the Ibn Az, says the Ramban. I don't understand. We're worried. Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about taking the Maris at Tzavos, but the Chumas is not worried. The Chumas is way worse. If you're worried about taking in donations, shouldn't that be donation be the one that you knock out? Why are you having a whole matter talking about Moshe Rabbeinu not willing to take the Maris at Tzavos? He shouldn't be willing to take the Chumas. On that, the Ramban comes up with an answer. Says the Ramban that the Chumas was a chastity belt but it will be melted down into other things. They weren't using the chastity belt in the Mishkan. So as a result, Meshavim didn't have to protest against what it was. What it was, okay, maybe it was not the most appropriate uh, kind of a material uh, ornament to use, but you weren't using that as the ornament. You were melting it down to use something else. But here, the Maris HaTzoyves was literally what the Kir was made of. They weren't melted down. That is what it was. So... If that's the case, then that's why Moshe Ben would be more looking askance at using it. For the Ibn Ezra, the question never comes about. Because if you look at the Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra understands the Chumas as being an armband. It's not a chastity belt. He doesn't go with the Gemara and Shabbos. So as a result, he doesn't have a problem. He doesn't have an issue with, with, with taking in any Chumas at all. It's just another donation, like other donations that the woman gave of their jewelry. So what comes out then is that what we have is that according to the Ibn Ezra, the ego happened prior to the Mishkan. The ego, as it were, was a sin for the few. It was not a sin committed by the many. It was a sin by the few. However, there was a responsibility from the many. And the women were part of the many who had caused the problem. And therefore, when it comes to the Mishkan, which is going to be rehabbing, rehabilitating, getting a kapara for what the sin was, the woman playing out a role, an outsized role perhaps, in relation to the Kiar for sure, but in relation to, as the Torah says, any woman who had the, the ability to do things for, for sure they did, but even in situations where the woman is not openly mentioned, the Ibn Ezra nevertheless mentions the woman being involved in giving donations because of the fact that the woman, in the same way that she played a role, not a sinning role, but a role in what led to the Eglazah being worshipped by a few, so too she's going to play a role to ensure the Mishkan gets started on the right foot with her dedication and her zeal to ensure that the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of these Jewish women, whether it's the Maris HaTzoyves, where they no longer want to be a part of the sort of material mundane world and want to instead dedicate themselves to U.S. Hashem and Torah, also who just want to be a part of the building of the Mishkan, who are willing to part ways with all of their jewelry and other items that they had received from Egypt, that they are, with equanimity, being willing to give up. Eshkerek Hachamas.